You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Play ball! Worldwide Sports Radio presents Moffitt on the Mic. Allow me to introduce myself. With Craig Moffitt. Hi, doing... Oh. That's not good. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? It is good to be back only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I think I hit the wrong button now. <laughs> so my bad if I uh, just blew up the damn, uh, blew up something. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show on a Friday night, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. You can follow us on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. I am Craig Moffitt, and it wouldn't be a Friday night show without the production stylings of, wait, I think I got it this time, the People's Producer. Yes, sir. There we go. I Chris Clip. Oh, doesn't it just roll off the tongue? No. See, I need a t-shirt that says the People's Producer. Well, you're rocking your uh, Zack Ryder shirt today, and, you know, of course, you're you're like me. Like, you have, like, I have my cup. You have your Carmella hat that you bring every show. That's like a good. That's like your lucky charm, right there, sir. How are you, Mister Clem? I'm good. I had a right? good day at work today. I had a good day doing my wrestling show at school. Just nice and relaxing today. Yo, I was at work today and I was so friggin' busy. Like I didn't even realize at one point it was like two o'clock in the afternoon because I had like literally been on the go from the minute I walked in the door. <laughs> like it was just like it was unbelievable. And, like, I like Fridays because Fridays kind of, they fly. You know, like, they yeah. really do. Like, they really do fly. And if you're busy, man, it's like a you blink, it's over. The problem is, is that since I'm not there Saturday and Sunday and my business is a 24-hour business, yeah. like, I get nervous on the weekends because I'm afraid something's going to happen. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something that should have happened over the weekend, you know? So, like, for example, right now in the hotel, we have the Marquette University Band and Cheerleaders staying oh, with us. the Marquette basketball team no we you know what the problem is man i think the big east has like some kind of an arrangement mm-hmm. to um like with like a like a hotel chain and it's not us like we're a Wyndham, uh. but i think they might have a deal with like hilton or something like that but um so we get the band and the cheerleaders and stuff and it, we we have it's a very unique agreement we have with them because if they lose then they leave like pretty much right on the spot Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like tonight they're playing Seton Hall right now in the uh, semifinal. If they lose, they're going to be out by like midnight. Yeah, they're gone. You know, like pretty much they're packing up their stuff and they're leaving. You know, they're going back to uh, Marquette. But then tomorrow, it's like they play the final. The final is not till six o'clock at night. So if they win, then we get them for another day. But they have to leave. You know, so it's kind of like a unique like kind of situation. But. You know, there was a little bit of drama, like, you know, with other stuff going on today. And before I knew it, it was like no joke. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My day was like completely done. That's what it's like for me on Wednesdays. I'll be – I have to be at school at 9.30. I have class all day. Then I will then I have to read the news mm-hmm. at, uh, for this one class I have to do. Um, so I'm, I'm at school until like 6 o'clock at night. And then I come home. I eat. I get dressed and I I race I race out here right after. So my my Wednesdays are just moving. Yeah, and that's like with me too because like I don't get home until like seven o'clock. Yeah. Okay. And then I got you know we have dinner you know with the kids and everything like that. Then all of a sudden I got to get the kids dressed for bed. 
And before you know it, it's like eight o'clock, and I'm like, damn, like I don't even get time. And then like I really only get like forty five minutes before I have to you know drive out here, yeah, to do the show. Not complaining about it or anything like that. It's just like you just don't realize sometimes yeah. when the day is like shot. And then like by Sunday, like lately, like my Saturdays and Sundays, I'm literally like a homebody. I catch up on NXT. Mm-hmm. I catch up on NXT UK. I catch up on like, like I just that's my only time I get to watch TV and like catch up on my shows. Yeah. Because during the week I don't get to do it because I'm barely like by nine o'clock when I'm not doing the show here, I'm, I'm sleeping because I'm exhausted. So it's like, you know, so like my weekends are kind of shot, but like, you know, Friday, it's like, man, it's like today was just crazy just because we, we're down a person. Like we had a friend, my friend uh, Lee recently left the job. So it's like now we're one man down again. Mm. So like when that happens, it's like it has a tendency to be just like a disaster. You know, so it's like kind of just getting acclimated, getting organized, you know, and stuff like that. But enough about that. We got a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it. And again, the number to call is 631-676-2968. We'll, uh, we'll get into some more football stuff today. We'll get into a little baseball. Um, Steven Matson have a very good outing today for the Mets in spring training. So that could be, uh, you know, not a prelude of things to come, but, you, you know, you just kind of – it makes you like a tad bit nervous, I think. Uh, the Yankees are dealing with some injury issues from what I see. Uh, Aaron Hicks is the latest guy. Now they're saying he could be out for opening day, maybe a little bit longer, some kind of a back injury. Uh, we'll get into the Islanders. They had a big win last night over the Canadians. As uh, that, That's a team to me that's always given them a hard time, the Canadians. But they somehow figured out, you know, they figured out a way to win it, and they have a game uh, – they have an afternoon game tomorrow against Detroit. Really, man, it's going to come down to – this is, this is a great race in the, in the East mm. between the Metro teams and everything. Like right now, how crazy is this? If the playoffs started today, the Islanders would be facing Toronto. Oh, <laughs> it's like you in a seven. Big, you oh big my god! Right, right there, that would be crazy. Islanders leaves in a series, you know, but they would be in Toronto. Game one would be in Toronto because yeah, the Isles are still two game, two points behind the Capitals for the uh, Metro, but that would be such an, that would be an intense series because I really think that's a rivalry now. Oh, it's definitely it's, like, it is rivalry, definitely yeah. a rivalry now between the Islanders and Tampa and Toronto. As long as John Tavares is in a Toronto uniform, it'll be a rivalry because no uh, it is like the intensity is always ratcheted up a little bit more. It, it's crazy, man. Like I really think that's a new rivalry between the Isles and the Maple Leafs. But um, so we'll talk a little about that a little bit later. Uh, we'll get into some Jets stuff as all you know as we norm as we do. I didn't even realize the Jets signed Chandler Cannon's arrow. When <laughs> like that was signed, like a, we signed him back today. They snuck I, that one underneath, like you know. And I immediately thought of you because we been, we were talking about they snuck like, that kickers. one through the border. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I don't hate it, but I figure you know at least we might draft someone considering we um we're not getting back uh, Myers, but I would have drafted Cody Parkey. I would have signed Cody Parkey. I would have. Why not? Nah, he didn't have the best year last year. He didn't. But then again, the Jets also got kickers that were never come. They were coming off crappy seasons, and they still Ch- won Ch- the Chandler Canzaro. <laughs> you know, Canzaro was wasn't bad for the Jets when he had him. When they had him, Nick Folk wasn't bad. Jason Myers wasn't that great of a kicker either. He got a four year, four million dollar for four million dollars plus per season with the Seahawks. It's got I me mean, good for Jason Myers. But See I, that I can let him go. I don't need Jason Myers at that point. But Andre Roberts, I cannot forgive. Yeah, you can't let that guy go. You just can't. Like I mean, it doesn't matter. Listen, overall, McCagnan has had a very strong off season. 
between Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, you know, Kalecchi Osemele, you know, it goes on and on, okay? Brian Poole is the latest signing yesterday from the Falcons. And he's even brought back a couple of his other, his own free agents, Daryl Roberts, Jonathan Harrison, Steve McClendon. McClendon was a kind of a surprising signing to me. I'm not that surprised just because he's the veteran guy. He's a huge leader in this locker room. He's an old, he's probably the oldest guy on the team, and you need a leader like that. True. No, I, I listen. When McClendon was on the field, I thought he played well. I didn't. I mean, he wasn't like elite, but I thought he was good. I mean, I thought he was serviceable. Yeah, he's a great run stuffer. You know, but I really think this team needs a guy like Nathan Shepard to like step up this year. Oh yeah. Now, I, I, like I said, we. I think, um, Greg Williams is the guy to do that. I really do. I'm just curious to see where they go in the draft because they can go in a million ways right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go. They can go Josh Allen. They can go Quinn and Williams. They can go in a lot of different directions. I just don't see a trade on the horizon, not for them. I think at this point that's kind of a done deal because now that the Jaguars signed Nick Foles, the Giants might draft Dwayne Haskins. That's not a lock to me. It doesn't. I don't. Doesn't feel like a lock. It. I. But like I. I said this Wednesday, and before the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, I was. I had. Dwayne Haskins over to the Giants. I was like, okay, you can make it. You can build around Dwayne. I mean, um, Saquon and Odell. You get your quarterback in here for the future right now. That's it. But now the Giants aren't going to go anywhere for the next two to three years. So I, I, I personally think that the Giants should just wait on to a next year in next year's draft or wait the two years for Trevor Lawrence. That's what I think because they're not. See, gonna... I wouldn't wait two years. I think two years is a little too much. But, I, but I'm only saying two years because even next year, next year they're, they're going to have a ton of cap, but they're going to have a lot of cap space too. So they're going to be right where the Jets were this year. Hmm. So they'll be able to. I mean, I don't know who's a free agent after this year, uh, upcoming season for like 2020. But it makes sense, like you said, to wait a year and try to go for Tua or try to go for Justin Herbert. Or whatever. Yeah, guys but, you know who will do good. You don't really I mean look, I like Dwayne Haskins. I think he will be a good quarterback, but you know you don't you never know with these kind of guys. These but the thing, one year starter too. But here's the thing with quarterbacks too, and I think you can agree with me on this. You can't like the quarterback. You have to love the quarterback. Yeah. It's like being a homeowner. Like I'm a homeowner. Okay. I you know, I bought my house. Clem, I saw ten different houses before I f- settled on this house. But the only reason why I kept settling on this house is because this was the house my wife and I loved. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't wouldn't have just bought a house and signed a thirty year mortgage for a house we just kind of we just liked. Yeah, like this was the house we wanted, so that's why we're all in on that house. The Giants have not sold me on the fact that they are all in on Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback. That could just be more of the mock drafts and the media and everything pushing Dwayne Haskins to the Giants. And it's amazing because you know what I, I kept seeing all the next couple of days? The last couple of days was how they just completely to this – they are still getting vilified for not drafting Sam Darnold. They're still getting vilified to I, this day. Look, I can understand what they're saying by not drafting Sam Donald, Josh Rosen, uh, Josh Allen, or one of the or Baker Mayfield. Well, not Baker Mayfield, but I understand that. But you went out and got the best player in the draft, 
and you can't be mad at that. You got Barry Sanders. You got Saquon Barkley. You got kind of the second coming yeah, ex- of Barry Sanders. So exactly. It's, I mean- so Giant fans should not be mad. Reporters should not be justifying that, oh, you know, if you had Sam Darnold, you had Josh Rosen, one of these guys, it would look a little bit better. No, you got Saquon Barkley. You're going to build around Saquon Barkley right now. And, mm-hmm. that's, and I thought that would have been perfect sense. You have Saquon, Odell. Evan Ingram, you have you have solid pieces on that offense, but now you just traded away your biggest piece in Odell Beckham Jr. and now you're just gonna you're really starting from fresh now. But then, but then the Giants do this though, and this is just again what like you can imagine how frustrated like I was, and I'm not even a Giants fan, okay. But they trade Odell Beckham, they let Landon Collins go. You know, think about the guys they traded last year. They traded Snacks and they traded Eli Apple. They traded Vernon to the Browns this offseason. And then they go out and they give Golden Tate $36 million over four years. See, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, are you rebuilding or not? Like, make up your freaking mind, Gettleman. It, I, I just don't understand it. And then I'm reading the comments after they signed him. And they're like, and Giant fans, Giant fans love it now. They're, you know, they're in love with this pick. And I'm like, and I, I remember I was, like Keith and I were talking because when he, uh, I think he broke, he told me that Tate signed with them, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm like, this is such a textbook panic move to get people to forget about the fact that you traded Beckham. So you go out and sign Golden Tate. And listen, don't get me wrong, Golden Tate's a good receiver, but he's not what the Giants need. The Giants don't need Golden Tate right now. No, they needed Odell Beckham Jr. That's what they needed. Look, you can t- put Giant pride aside. It's not the Giant way. Put all that aside. Odell Beckham can play. Is he a fool on you have, and off the field? Yeah, but Odell can play. But you have now two slot receivers, right? Yeah. Because Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard play in the slot. That's where their that's where their specialty is. They're not lined. They're not good lined up outside. So who's lining up outside? And that's what we don't know. And it's like there's there's only and this was already a dry wide receiver free agency as it was. Now it's even more dry. You took Golden Tate right off the mark. The, like I said, the only number one wide receiver out there right now is Michael Crabtree. Yeah, but he's 31. He's not as fast as he used to be. I mean, you could sign him if you want to. But again, though, what the hell are you doing? It sends such a weird message. Mm-hmm. There's no plan. You can't tell me the plan was to sign Golden Tate. You just, you can't sell me on that after you just traded Odell Beckham. You're telling me that Golden Tate was the answer to your, you know, to the receiving problem? If you went out and maybe signed like a younger wide receiver, maybe like an Adam Humphreys, I can get behind that a little bit cuz he's he's still young and he had a good season. I can get behind, okay, you rebuild and still you're going to try and build through here Sterling Shepard. And then go out, maybe trade for a number one wide receiver. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what you do. Okay. But they didn't do that. They went out and signed a 31 Golden Tate, who's really, who's been all right in his career. He's never been crazy good. He's not. A, he's never been a number one wide receiver wherever he's been. I mean, listen, he's won a Super Bowl, so we know that when he's with the Seahawks. And he's been to a not, no, he wasn't with one with the Eagles because he just got traded last year. But again, though, I don't understand the logic. It doesn't make any sense. Why are you, if you're going to be in a rebuild, just sell the friggin' rebuild, okay? Go after younger guys. Build on those draft picks. 
You have 12. 12 picks. Now, I'm sure the Giants at the end of the day will not keep all 12 picks. I'm sure they're going to package package picks. But again, though, it's just like it just seems like one minute you traded Beckham and you're getting lambasted in the media. And quite frankly, I didn't think the trade was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I just think they could have got more. Yeah, it's not that bad. And uh, who was I listening to today? Who was justifying the trade was pretty good for what they got. I think it was CMB. And they were saying, you know, Odell has only played 16 games in the past two years. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, this is what they got for him. You know, he's played 16 games in two years. He stunk it up during the one playoff game they played in against the Packers. Right. So I, I guess it kind of justifies that. I mean, look, you had you got a first, you got a first round pick from the Browns. You got a former first round pick in Jabril Peppers. Now I know he's nothing; he hasn't been anything crazy since he's been drafted, but he's still a former first round pick. And you got a third round pick. So I mean, I guess it kind of justifies what they got. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I think they should have got more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, you got a first, so now you have two ones, and you could toy with that any way you want. And the thing is, again, do the Giants, do they, if he's on the market, if he's put on the market, because I think that Kyler Murray might have solidified being the number one overall pick with his pro day to go with what happened in the combine and how everybody loves him. And Josh Rosen becomes available. Are the Giants going to get Josh Rosen? Yes. Can they build with, do you want Josh Rosen to be the quarterback of the future or is he going to be like a stopgap to get the Tua? See, you can't have him as a stopgap because that doesn't do him any justice. I think if he was on the market, I think the Giants would be wise to go after Josh Rosen. I wouldn't give up anything crazy for Josh Rosen because he did stink it up in his rookie year. Like I'd give the most I would give is maybe a second round pick. That's what I. That's fair. I mean, I don't think he's a. I don't think he's worth a first rounder. Maybe a bottom first rounder, but not not a high one. I think it would be just. I think it would be good to you know have him let this be Eli's final year. Let him sit behind Eli for one year. Let him get taught by Pat Shermer, who was this quarterback guru in Minnesota. So you give him a year with under Eli. I give him a year with Pat Shermer. I think Josh Rosen can do it because, and even when Josh Rosen was coming into the into the NFL draft. All the experts across every CBS, Fox, ESPN, Bleacher Report, all this stuff was saying Josh Rosen was the most NFL-ready quarterback. Yeah. And he did not look like that last year. Remember remember when there were mock drafts that wanted the Jets to draft him over Darnold? I, that was me. That was me right here. I wanted the Jets to draft him. Oh, man. Well, I'm happy. It listen, did. man. I respect. I respect your honesty for admitting that. I mean, that's that's I, big. My, I, me, me, pick and the Jets drafting quarterbacks in the first round. of My recent mock drafts have been. Eh. I, I, I've also said they should draft Paxton Lynch to Sean Kaiser. Oh so. my god. <laughs> but so, in other words, we should not trust you for anything on your mock. Drafts. Yeah, don't make me the GM. Yeah. <laughs> But you'll be drafting Paxton Lynch and Deshaun Kaiser. Like you'll be like it's like playing like EA Sports or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead. I think I think you know if the Giants have the opportunity to go after Donald, I mean Donald uh, Rosen, with maybe like a second round pick and get him sit a year under Eli, a year with Pat Shermer, let him groom him for one year, mm-hmm. and I think Rosen could be good. I think Rosen will be very good. I agree, and the thing is, it's 
it's a low risk trade if you do it because he sits behind Eli for a year mm-hmm. or at least three quarters of a year and he learns. Because you don't have to rush him out there week one unless the Giants just cut Eli Manning altogether. Now, he's due a $5 million roster bonus, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to make or break him being a Giant. However, having him sit behind Eli is not a bad choice. It's It's not not a bad decision. Not a terrible decision. It's not, especially because he stunk it up, too. So give him a chance to, like... Relax, but most people himself. will. But most people will argue that the well, you're just wasting him at that point because you know what's the point of having Manning if you're going to have Josh Rosen? That's a fair point too. That's a very fair point. You know what is the point of having Josh Rosen? He already has a year under his belt as a starter. Mm-hmm. When you know, what's the point of him sitting on the bench when you already have Eli Manning? And I totally get that part. But it might do Josh Rosen some good to sit behind a Super Bowl winning quarterback and learn. Yeah, I think. I mean, the only reason why, in many ways, the only reason why Josh Rosen got out there so quickly was because Sam Bradford was a disaster. Sam Bradford was a disaster. He got injured again, so they had to throw Rosen out there. And Rosen again, this that Cardinals team was not like it, like we were expecting offensively. Larry Fitzgerald had his arguably his worst his worst career his worst uh, season of his career. Which I mean, he had 800 yards still, but it's not Larry Fitzgerald like we've seen. Uh David Johnson was coming is coming off injury. We didn't see David Johnson be like the running back he was. So it was really limited to what Josh Rosen was working with. And mm-hmm. we can't blame him for for how he did, but I still think the mecha- all the tools are there for Josh Rosen. All the mechanics are there. You give him a year under, uh, to learn under Eli. Give him give Pat Shermer a year to work with this kid, and he'll be good. And let him sit. It doesn't matter, you know, oh, why are you going to have him sit? It doesn't matter. Let Look at all these good quarterbacks now who sat – for either a good portion of the year or a mm-hmm. whole year, and look who they're starting now: Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was not the starter until he got to the Jets, and I don't the, think the he Browns. The Browns. That, I mean, we played the Jets. Let me rephrase that: <laughs> played the Jets, and look who how he. Now it's because Tyrod got his Tyrod got his bell rung, but I think at the same time he just wasn't very effective in that game. True. And even Eli. Look at Eli. When Eli was first drafted, who was the starting quarterback for the first eight weeks of football? No, it's uh, it's uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner. Warner. It was Kurt Warner. Let so if you if you have the opportunity to go get uh, Josh Rosen, get Josh Rosen. Let him sit behind Eli. Let Pat Shermer teach him, and then once he comes back, then you'll figure out if he if he's a bust or not. Well, that's pretty fair, you know. But the other thing too is uh, you know jumping over to the Jets real quickly. You know, I'm kind of stunned by how many people, I guess, non New York media, really don't like the Le'Veon Bell contract that he got. And I can't figure out why you hate that con- why you'd hate that contract. It was such a good deal. It's a four year fifty two million dollar deal. He gets thirty three million guaranteed, I think, at the end of the day. That's less than what he was gonna get in Philadelphia. And the fact is, is, you know, everybody's pushing the Jets to go for Le'Veon Bell, which is what they did. And I always say that there are Jet haters. I'm so convinced. Every time the Jets make a move, it's always with a red flag. Or it's always with a, oh, I don't like this deal at all for them and whatever. Now, listen, I understand that they got rid – that they – C.J. Mosley <clears throat> – C.J. Mosley was overpaid. I get that part. But again, though, that's what teams like the Jets have to do. They have to overpay sometimes for these guys because that's the only way you're going to convince these guys to come to New York. Mm-hmm. 
I don't understand why people think the Le'Veon Bell contract stinks. It's not. It's not awful at all. It's a it's a team friendly deal. Look, I'm looking at it right now. He doesn't get a portion of his a good portion of his salary until the back end of his contract. Like I think he's only like 27 too. Yeah. So the thing is, like, he's not. He's still in his prime. And while I understand that. You know, he has, he's been out for a year, and, you know, that's another reason they're giving as a reason why it's, like, not a great contract. It's like, it's like who cares? I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, like, he, yes. Is he, he's not, he is not a golden boy. He is not the type of guy that, you know, is, a, is immune to getting in trouble. But he's a damn good running back, and he's probably going to be the best one we've had since Curtis Martin. Absolutely. Absolutely, he's gonna. And even Curtis Martin came out and said, "I damn, I wish I had the skills that Le'Veon Bell had when I played." But you look at it from a broader perspective. He he. First of all, he takes a lot of pressure not off Sam, not just off Sam Darnold, but the whole receiving core. This is a team that does not have a bona fide number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, Jamison Crowder, Josh Bellamy is basically your fourth right now. And let's say hypothetically they draft another receiver. Okay? A guy like Le'Veon Bell takes the pressure off of that core to be successful. And don't forget Chris Herndon, by the way. Yeah. Who I just totally forgot. But to say that this is a bad contract just makes no sense. It's a four it's he's basically getting thirteen million dollars a year. And thirty of it is guaranteed which is probably what he would have got anyway from any other team. But they needed a playmaker like this. And they got it. Okay, this is what I kept hearing all last year. The Jets have no weapons. The Jets have no weapons. The Jets have no weapons. You know, you go out and get Le'Veon Bell. And then they went out and got C.J. Mosley. The Anthony Barr thing to me is so freaking overblown. I, why even waste your breath giving this guy the time? I mean, I'm done talking about him. He's a he's a clown. I mean, look, he did what he had. Look, he wanted to go back to Minnesota. I get that. Look, is he a bum for not signing with the Jets? Yeah, I'm tight that he didn't sign with the Jets. I actually liked Anthony Barr a lot. But but here's what I say about that, right? Okay, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Anthony Barr a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Because if you know that you don't, you're not sure if you want to go to the Jets. Why do you feel like you have to make that decision right on the spot? Why do you feel like you have to make that decision? Why do you feel like this is your home, but then you're like, oh, I want to go to Minnesota. I want to go back to Minnesota. Or like whatever they said, oh, he felt physically sick, which I think was, again, over overstated. And it was like marrying the wrong woman. Who the hell said you had to make that decision right there? On the first day of free agency, you don't have to make that decision. Yeah, if you're having second thoughts, think about it. Just well, say, well, just it's, it's like you said about buying the house. Yeah, like you got you. You looked at ten different houses before you made sure that you that that's the house you bought. You bought exactly. So he was like, "Oh, the Jets, Pfft, sign." Yeah, but no, he didn't. He didn't test it out. He didn't really see if he was. Re- Look, I think the Jets probably the Jets did make him the best offer because he took less money to stay with Minnesota. But but if your heart was always in Minnesota, then just then don't commit to the Jets. Yeah, I don't look. I don't have a problem with him going back to the Jets. The I mean, back to the Minnesota. The problem I have is that he was like, oh yeah, I'm ready to come to the Jets, and then he was like, oh, I'm backing out. 
Like, yeah. like you, the contract was like, ready for you. But like, the way they like wrote the article was after he agreed, he didn't feel comfortable with it the second he like agreed to it. And the thing with with that is, if that's how you truly feel, then you should have never had a handshake agreement with the Jets. You should have just said, okay, I'm going to sleep on it, and I'll let you know in the morning. Yeah, that's what he should have said. Okay. Because even the funny thing was, Anthony Barr's decision had no bearing on the Jets getting C.J. Mosley. Yeah. Because they had signed C.J. Mosley right after they signed Anthony Barr. Yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not like C.J. Mosley replaced them. No, it was Anthony Barr. Then they got C.J. Mosley right after. It's like, yeah. like wow, that up that linebacking core just upgraded to the max. And I mean, like it, it's just, I personally think the Anthony Barr stuff is totally overblown. If the guy wants to go back to Minnesota and he hasn't signed a paper contract with the Jets, then you know what? Then he goes back to Minnesota. Okay, while it's a loss, it's not a colossal loss. Okay, <clears throat> and that will allow the Jets to go out and draft a guy, maybe like a Josh Allen or maybe even a Nick Bosa. I would not put it out of the realm of possibility of them getting Nick Bosa. I've been saying this for weeks now. You know I've been saying it. Depending for weeks. on like what the 49ers do, because now that the 49ers have D Ford, they may not necessarily feel Nick, they may not think Nick Foles is a priority. Not Nick Foles, not Nick Bosa is a priority. They may want to bulk up the line with Quinn and Williams. That's what. I'm saying I originally had the 49ers drafting um, Josh Allen. Then in my second mock draft, I did I had them drafting, uh, I think it was Quentin Williams. No, I have them drafting uh, DK Metcalf. But now with D Ford, this is their, this, first of all, this is their front, uh, this is their front four right here. You have Solomon Thomas, mm-hmm. first uh, former first round pick. Arik Armstead, another former first yeah, round pick. They have like ten million former first round picks. DeForest, DeForest Buckner, another, another first. Round pick. He was like fourth overall. I think. He's D- actually been really good for them. D Ford, outside, he's playing the defensive end position, and, and at your linebacking positions, you have Malcolm Smith. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't like Malcolm Smith at all, but he's still a former Super Bowl MVP. And you got Quan Alexander. You don't need any more offense, defensive play, defensive linebackers or defensive linemen. So then you don't know where to play them. It's like you got to exactly. ro- you got to rotate them all. Then it's too much. Then people are getting out of the loop and whatnot. It's it's, it's like because these are all good guys. These are not like bums who are starting. These are good guys. But it's one of those things where it's like you're almost praying for an injury so you can back back up your talk. Like, see, I told you we could we needed a guy like Nick Bosa. Yeah, you know, it cost me D Ford, but you know that's okay. I have Nick Bosa. But but I think that the the Forty ers need to draft a wide receiver, and I think it's going to be DK Metcalf. I don't see the Niners drafting him second overall, though. That's a bit extreme. They, they might trade back. You're getting way. into like you're getting into CBS Sports mock draft territory at this point. I mean, or I just, I just think home that, stretch mock draft. <laughs> yeah, because their best wide receiver right now is Marquise Goodwin. Who was a good deep threat, but he's not a number one. He's not a number one. And their second wide receiver after that is Jordan Matthews, who who just signed the other day, actually. Yeah, who constantly gets injured, and he hasn't been good since his rookie year. But the Tevin Coleman signing for them is interesting, to go with Jarek McKinnon, who mm-hmm. you know who uh, I think he tore when he tore his ACL last year. That's an interesting little backfield, right? Well, not there. even Jarek McKinnon. Matt Breida. Matt Breida had an amazing season last year for the 49ers. He proved that he could start for this team, and I, the fact that they brought on Tevin Coleman and now they have Jarek McKinnon, they have a three-headed monster at that running back. And that's going to be like a case with like, obviously, with the number one receiver on that team now is going to be George Kittle. Yeah, because they don't really have anybody else. They, yeah, they don't have no one. And you have Jimmy G coming off a torn ACL. So, yeah, so you want if Jimmy G can stay healthy, 
this offense could look pretty pretty good if they can get some wide receivers in there. Yeah. It's not yet, but I think 49ers will draft DK Metcalf at some point in the draft, whether they stay at two and overdraft him at two or they trade back and draft and draft him whoever. They're going to draft DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, some whoever it is. They're, gonna dra- they're drafting a wide receiver. Well, I mean... It, Which makes me think that... I just, I just can't see it being number two overall. I think that's a bit extreme. Though. I mean, the Jets drafted Wesley, um, Wesley Johnson, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, number one. True. I, I, yeah, that's number one overall, though. I mean, at the time, he was probably the top player in the draft. Yeah, I know. But did did DK Metcalf not show out during his 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 year at uh, at Ole Miss and have one of the most amazing combines we've seen to date? No, I, I I'm not saying he didn't. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't. But my point is, is that it seems weird that DK Metcalf would be. In no, the in I, the um in the talkings of exactly I know I understand that just because you know how often do you see wide receivers go top five in general not often I think what maybe the maybe I think maybe the last one was probably oh Calvin Johnson he went number three right and we all know how good Calvin Johnson was but I don't know I just think the whether it's they take him at two or take him at with if they trade back they're gonna draft a wide receiver. And which makes me think that the Jets have a better opportunity to draft Nick Bosa. I mean, I really starting to think that like they could have a they could wind up with Nick Bosa. And I, I, I mean, I'm really I'm really starting to think that Quinn and Williams is going to be the number two overall pick. And this I've year. said it time and time again on this show. He's the only one I want defensively. I like Josh Allen a lot. He's going to be great, but Nick Bosa is what we have to prioritize at. He's a huge pass rusher, and if not, you got to get a left tackle if you're the New York Jets. you got to. This would be so much easier if the Jets were able to trade down. And I just, unfortunately, I just don't think at this stage in the game, in the I mean, draft. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like every other New York reporter here, but what if they trade with the Giants? They trade back with the Giants, and the Giants move up, and they get – they secured Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, but I mean, or Kyler Murray. Okay, but right now, think about it like this. First of all, Kyler Murray is most likely going first overall. That's I, if, if if Rosen doesn't get traded. Okay. Second thing, if I'm the Giants, why am I trading with the Jets up to number three when Dwayne Haskins Haskins is going to fall to me at six? Mm-hmm. The Raiders look like they're not going to draft a quarterback this year because of Derek Carr. And after the Derek Carr Antonio Brown love fest that took place on ESPN the other day, it definitely looks like Derek Carr is not going anywhere. Did you see that when Antonio Brown showed up at his house and they were playing yeah. catch in his field in the backyard or something yeah. like that? <clears throat> and then you have the other team. That could be kind of an interesting spot is Tampa. Now, Tampa picks fifth. They're not exactly committed to Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Do they go for a quarterback? Does Arians try to bring in a quarterback of his own? Maybe give Winston one more year, see if he can lead an offense. I mean, listen, they'd still have the talent there with you know Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but I'm intrigued. I'm curious on this one. It's this whole this whole NFL draft and offseason has been very interesting because it. It's making us think like, oh, what are the Giants going to do? What are the Jets going to do? Is is Bruce Arians going to draft his own quarterback? What are the, are the are the Cardinals going to make the move to trade Josh Rosen? It's making us think in in, in ways like we're not really like sure of what, what's actually going to happen. We're going to be, I think, we're going to be totally shocked when some of these things actually happen. 
So I don't know if you saw this, but the Kansas City Chiefs had made some proposals to rule changes. Mm-hmm. And some of it's interesting because it centers around overtime. And remember, they got burned in overtime last year in the AFC Championship game because of not getting the ball first, right? Yeah. So what they want to do is – and this is, where, this is where it gets interesting. Some of it's not bad, but some of it I think is a little bit, it's a bit much. It says, by Kansas City to amend Rule 16 allows both teams the opportunity to possess the ball at least one time in overtime. Okay. Even if the first team possesses the ball in overtime, scores a touchdown. Okay. So you're going to college football rules, basically, but you're using the whole field. Which I like. I'm a big I'm fan fine. of that. I'm fine with that. Like, but again, if you don't like, I understand why they want. They feel they feel hurt that they feel butt hurt that they uh, you know they didn't get the opportunity to score or whatnot. And I get that, but you just win the game. And you don't have to go to overtime. I mean, look, it's just that simple. Just win the game and just win the game in, in in the regular time, and then it doesn't go to overtime. You don't have to be you don't have to be complaining about these rule changes and whatnot. But I do. If they were to make overtime rule changes, that's what that's the trade. That's the change I would want is do do college rules. Yes. The other thing is they want to eliminate overtime for the preseason. Wait, eliminate what? overtimes in the preseason. I didn't know they played overtime in the preseason. I did not know that either. So. That's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the last one is eliminate the overtime coin toss. No. So that the winner of the initial coin toss to be begin the game may choose whether to kick or receive or which goal to defend. No. That's so stupid. So the other thing was <laughs> there was like a weird – I got to f- try to find it. Uh, bear with me because it's it, it's had to do with the onside kick. One of the teams, I think it was Denver, had proposed a rule change regarding the onside kick. And basically what they were trying to do was, and this apparently came from the AAF. What the hell is that? Is that the guys next door? Probably. Those two, those two Asian dudes? Probably. <laughs> so what we were saying before was, they want to get rid of – basically what they want to do is they want to try to get rid of the onside kick. So I think the suggestion was they wanted to do something where the team the team that scores a touchdown and goes for the onside kick instead gets one shot to make a fourth and 15. If they make it, they keep the ball. If they don't make it, then the ball goes back to the opposing team. No. So, for example, if the Jets score a touchdown late in the game, yeah. instead of them going for the onside kick, they get a shot to make a fourth, one fourth and 15 play. I don't know where the ball is set. I don't remember exactly what the rule said. I, I want to say it was like the 35 or the I was 40. Say probably the 35 or somewhere around there. <clears throat> but I think if they don't make it, then the it's turnover on downs, and I think that they get the ball at the team's 35. The opposing team gets the ball at the, you know. I don't like, like that. I feel like that's too easy. It depends on the team, though. See, if it's the Patriots, yes. Me, personally, my issue with it is you're really kind of taking the fun out of football. Yeah. What people forget to under, forget is that football is an incredibly physical sport. It's not two-hand touch. It's not flag football. 
okay? You're literally going to beat the crap out of each other. And I know why they're doing this because a lot of this has to do with the CTE and all that stuff. And I totally get that part, okay? CTE is an incredibly scary thing, especially for professional athletes who get one or two concussions within six weeks. It's a very, very tough thing. And it's, you know, if you watch that movie Concussion, it's crazy. How you just see the guys just go crazy after a while because, you know, their brain, their brain is completely mush. But at the same time, onside kicks are a part of football. Onside kicks are, you're going to get hit. We, we can't be afraid of that. And sometimes I think the league is trying to get to that. Teams are trying to get to that. And I'm all for protection of players, especially from physical injury, from major injury. But there are some things you just can't get rid of. And I think the onside kick is one of them. It's a fun part of the game. You're going to get drilled. So you got to be prepared. Yeah. But to be quite honest, I have no problem with the onside kick. I think it's kind of stupid to do a fourth and 15. Yeah, it's dumb. It's just like with all these, even in the MLB rule changes, with the pitch clock. Why? There's no need. There's no need. You're changing baseball at this time. And right now with these rules, you're changing football. Man, they are trying so hard to try to make baseball interesting. It's Why? already. It's either, it's, you're either a fan or you're not. Exactly. That's what it is. There's no in between. There isn't. You know. You're not trying to market to a new fan base. Yeah. It's not like because oh, you the, know we gotta get the chess players in the world really. Because into baseball. here's like, the fun. Here's the funny part about that. Those are the fans that real baseball fans don't like, because all they do is go to the games and they just go like we we talked about before. They go wait online at Shake Shack for five innings. Yeah. Or they just walk around aimlessly around the. You know. They like. They almost have the feeling of like a tourist. Coming into, you know, flushing to see all the numerous chop shops and then to just come in and, wa- and go watch a Mets game or at least not necessarily watch a Mets game, just walk around the stadium aimlessly for hours and hours. Yeah. People either like baseball or don't like baseball. There's no in between. You can try a pitch clock all you want. You could cut down the mound visits. No one's going to care. In many ways, baseball has kind of become a bit of more of a social gathering than an actual, you know, watching a baseball game. Mm-hmm. People want to talk. That's why every stadium now has a bar that you can go to, like a sports bar. You go to Yankee Stadium, they have the Mohegan Sun Bar. You go to City Field, they have McFadden's. I mean, like, they're freaking everywhere. No one just goes to a game anymore. It's like, Clem, remember back in the day when you were a kid? And all you wanted to get was a hot dog at a game. Yeah, you don't even get that anymore. It's like it's literally an afterthought on the menu. Yeah, if I you, <laughs> when I I make sure I get to City Field bright, nice and early. That way I can beat the Shake Shack line so I can get my Shake Shack burger. But I'm saying like you can go to like think about it like this at City Field. You can go to the Blue Smoke Place, which is awesome pulled pork. So sandwich, good, right? so good. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm trying to make a point, but I'm kind of killing myself because then I'm saying, "Oh man, the food's amazing!" But it's like you don't want to go and sit there and just eat sandwiches. You want to go watch a baseball game. Yeah, that's what I. Me and my girlfriend, we went to opening day last year. The Mets were killing the Reds, and my girlfriend was like, "Let's go for a walk around the stadium." And I was like, "Okay, let's go for a walk." And we we're walking around there. I'm just looking at all these different food. They got bacon on a stick now. This one girl was like... Heart yeah, attack on a this, roll. Basically, yeah. This one girl had an ice cream cone with Fruity Pebbles on it. And she was like, Chris, where do we get that? I was like, I have no idea. I've never seen that before. This is crazy. You got the And you got the, the vegan market out in uh, right field, too. It's just like you got everything. Clem, they have sushi now. Have sushi! sushi? 
I, I just they got literally. They everything. even have kosher food. Oh my gosh! Like I mean, not bashing kosher food, but it's just like they got. They nah, but you, see, you gotta if you do it for one, you gotta do it for the others. <laughs> you gotta have the whole United Nations of food out there because yeah, I mean, peppers. They got lobster too. Like sausage and peppers can arguably think about it like this: sausage and peppers could easily overtake the hot dog now as the the choice. Yeah. Like I go to I go to when I go to Met games a lot of times I just like getting a hot like a Nathan's hot dog or whatever. Yeah. Think about what's evolved, right? Like, do you go to the movies a lot with your girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. You ever notice now when you go to go to a movie, it's like going out to dinner. Yeah. It it's is. not. It's not just popcorn and soda and like Sour Patch Kids. No. The other day I took my daughter to see How to Train Your Dragon because she really wanted to see it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I was it was lunchtime and I wanted to get something to eat, but I didn't want to eat popcorn. So I got a spicy chicken sandwich at a Regal movie theater, <laughs> right? And the lady goes to me. She's like, do you want cheddar? Do you want Swiss? Or do you want pepper jack? And I'm like, I literally looked at her like, don't you just like throw in the microwave or something like that? I mean, like, I'm like, really? Well, they're making it. And she's like, you. but like it got better because when you look at the menu on the friggin' movie theater screen, like on, on a billboard, they have like barbecue Korean tacos. They have like, you know, and I'm like, what is going on here? It's like all I want is just like a burger. You know, this is why we're the most overweight country in the world. I mean, like I'm – and don't get me wrong. Let me tell you something right now. That sandwich wasn't bad. It was actually pretty decent. But what? I'm saying like it's so weird because this is what's happened. You know, movies have become more like a night out at a restaurant. Baseball games are not are just more about the food than anything. You know, even when you go to like MetLife to go, go to a Jet game. I was watching one time Jets Nation because like, I, I always like watching that show. And they did a whole bit on all the new food going to MetLife Stadium. And it was like crazy. And I'm like, but it's again, see, football's a little different. But baseball is like you have to keep people entertained because they're not going to go. Yeah. So you have no choice. You have to put a bar out there that they can go hang out at. You have to put all these different types of food and everything there. Because other than that – People are not interested. You know, it's like that at I'm, what I'm guessing basketball games too because I went to the Barclays to see Drake one time. I didn't go to see uh, the Nets play, but I was there to see Drake. And I'm walking around like on our level and there was a, a beer bar, a whiskey bar. You can get wine, all this different food. I'm just like, again, like, like at City Field and all these other places. I was like... There's so many options here. Like, I can get anything I want. It's like, you know, like, you go to City Field, it's like you're paying, like, $15 for a glass of Yellowtail. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I bought a beer at City Field. I had my buddy go and get me one because I was watching the game. He was like, I'm going to get a beer. You guys want one? I was like, yeah, sure. He comes back. He was like, yeah, it was $11. I was like, $11 for beer? What the heck? Yeah, and it's just like Budweiser. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. I'm like, $11. I can get this thing for $2 back. That's why you got to go to Big Apple Brews. In the like, I don't know where it is now. I think it's by. It used to be by the food court where uh, Shake Shack is, but I think they mm-hmm. moved it. But they used to have like a ton of like really good beers. Like one of my favorite beers is Stella. Mm, so like when Stella. they had Stellas, I was like, oh, hook it up. You know, like, <laughs> and I mean, the thing is, I don't really drink a lot anymore when I'm out. Like when I'm out with friends, like I might have a couple, but I don't really go crazy because I, I get really bad headaches when I drink too much. Mm-hmm. So, but man, like going to a game at City Field, like you got to have a Stella. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like, but. That's what's happened, though. So, like I said before, you know, getting back to what the original point was, you could try to tweak the rules all you want in baseball. 
but I just don't think it's going to do anything for the game. Yeah. Because, okay, one thing I did like was I like the fact that there was one – there's just going to be one trade deadline in July. Yeah. July 31st, trade deadline, done. If guys pass through waivers, you don't have to trade for them. You can claim them if you want. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I mean, that's a fine rule. The pitch clock means nothing to me. The uh, the mound visits mean nothing. Isn't there like now they're reducing the time in between innings or something like that? Probably. But again, I just think that you're never going to be able to make baseball interesting. No, you, you and don't. you better pray you don't go on strike because yeah. then you're done. You like you are. City Field will literally have like 50 people in it for a game because people are going to be so turned off by it that they're not going to want to spend money on the, on baseball. Yeah. You're either going to love baseball or you're going to hate it. You're not going to be like, oh, you know what? We really got to get uh, the the chess fans of the world to come watch baseball. You know, it's either you're going to love baseball or you're not going to love baseball. It's That's it. There's no changing. Oh, well, we got to speed it up because uh, Larry Steve doesn't like it. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. I'll tell you a funny story before I went to break, right? So my dad used to always, when we were, we used to go to games at Shea Stadium, mm-hmm. right? My dad used to get these really awesome tickets right front row on the third baseline, okay? Mm-hmm. Great tickets, you know, awesome tickets. You know, we used to go, we try to go as many games as we can when we used to get those seats. So we had a friend of my sister's who came into town. He was from, he was from France. Mm-hmm. He didn't, his English was good, but he was, you know, he was a tourist. And he just wanted to like, you know, so my dad was like, look, I'll give you guys the tickets. Why don't you take them to the game and everything? He's a great guy. His name was Eric. Awesome guy. Really, really friendly guy. So we're all sitting in the front row of the seats, and me and my brother are, like, really excited because we love watching baseball. The only thing that sucked about those seats was it was right by the gate where the photographers would walk through. Uh, so you always have a freaking photographer with this, like, camera that looked like it was, like, it took up two rows mm-hmm. walking by you all the time. So it was kind of annoying. But other than that, it was fine. So we're sitting in, like, the first row, and, like, we're excited. He He's, like, excited but not really excited. You know, he's just like, yeah, yeah okay. So he gets up and leaves, and he just goes – and, like, he doesn't come back. <laughs> like, he doesn't come back for, like, a couple, like, of innings. And my brother and I started getting nervous. Now, back then, we didn't have cell phones, so we yeah, couldn't call the guy. Yeah. We couldn't call the guy. So we're like, where the hell is he? And then we got nervous thinking, man, he probably got freaking jumped by somebody because it's flushing, and he, then no one knows who this guy is, <laughs> right? He comes back like two to three innings later, and we're like, Eric, where, where the hell were you? He goes, oh, I went to sit in the upper deck, like all the way up top. I just wanted to see what it was like up there. And I'm like, we're sitting in the front row. <laughs> like, there's nobody up there for a reason. <laughs> it's like, nobody wants to sit up there, you know, but not him. And it was just like, it made me laugh because it was just like, he didn't really care about the baseball game. He just, you know, we just, it was a night out. It was, that was the whole point. It was just a night out for him. He just, you know, just to get out to see a baseball game. But he had no vested interest in the game. Yeah. Me and my brother had a vested interest in the game. But that's what baseball's become. Grin and bear it. Because there's no, there's never going to be a situation where baseball is going to recruit all these new fans just because you lowered the pitch clock. Yeah, you're not going to, either. like I said, you're either going to love baseball or you're going to hate it. It's that yep. simple. Marquette's up by five. Looks like they're staying tomorrow. <laughs> they're playing Seton Hall? Yeah. I feel bad for Seton Hall. I like Seton Hall. My buddy went to Seton Hall, so I got to watch a couple of games there. So I'm like a low, like closet Seton Hall fan. I always root for them. but Not for nothing, man. The Johnnies really screwed the pooch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Marquette's a tough game, but they beat Marquette twice. 
Yeah, they had it, but I mean, now it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think they'll get into the tournament. You know who? You know who screwed themselves to Hofstra. Uh, I feel bad for Hofstra though. That's that's really depressing because yeah, they, they really did have a kick-ass season. They did, and then they come all the way close and they lose to Northeastern. And Northeastern had a good season too, but it's just tough for Hofstra. So, but they're gonna probably go to the NIT. So yeah, that'll probably be a really good. But season. it's like it's so frustrating because I agree with you because I really wanted to see Hofstra in the uh, yeah in the final in the tournament, but my, it isn't meant to be this year. My buddy from school went down to the game to in see, Northeastern. Or? Yeah, they, to watch them play Northeastern and. and I was just like, great, they lost because he went to the game now. <laughs> I'll never forget the I will I always stand by this. I'll never forget the ta- the game. The one team I saw that was in a tourney final mm-hmm. to get an automatic bid. And me and my friend Mike went to see uh, it was at American University. Okay. Okay. And um he went to Georgetown. So I went to visit him and he was like, You gotta come to the American University game. They're you know, if they win, they're going to the tournament, right? Okay. So he bought a couple of tickets. The gym is like literally like super small. It's, like, not a big gym. It's not, like, an arena, like, you know, if you go to, like, any of these other big-time schools. So we literally – picks me up from Amtrak, and we just go right to the to the school. Like, we don't even go home or anything. We just mm-hmm. go right to the school. So we go, and, like, American was actually really good that year. They were playing Holy Cross, who was actually also was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's it was, like, back and forth for a while, and then American just – they had this kid, um, Gilmore. I remember his first name. His name was like Brian Gilmore or something like that. And he just like tore it up in the second half. And I had never rushed the court before because all the schools I went to didn't yeah. really have like, you know, because I went to Five Towns College. We didn't have, obviously didn't have a sporting sports program because it was all theater and music. And it was so crazy watching people storm the court after a win. They got into the tournament. They were, I think they were like the 13. Did four- you storm the court with them? If you want to call it that, we were sitting too high up, so uh, it was more like a, not storming the court, but it was more just like making sure you didn't fall on your ass down the bleachers because that's all <laughs> it really was was bleachers, right? So it's like you're like you're like casually watching yourself walk down so you don't f- fall and like take out everyone else that's trying to rush the court and everything. But it was kind of a cool experience, like being on the court, watching the players and stuff. It was definitely a very cool experience. My one court storming moment got – Denied by the Devils playing a game later that night because went to go see Seton Hall game where they played Nova and they were playing at the Prudential Center and Nova was the number one ranked team in the nation at the time. Seton Hall came in. This is when Isaiah Whitehead was on the team still. So we went, we watched them. They upset see they upset Villanova and I was like, "Let's go! We're storming the court!" <laughs> and no, they, no one stormed the court and we were just, no one was going to storm the court. I was just like. Why is no one storming the court? So I asked my one friend. I was like, because he was a Devils fan. And I was like, Are the Devils playing tonight? And he was like, yeah, why? I was like, that's why we're not storming the court. Because the Devils have to play tonight. That's why. I was like, thanks a lot. This is all your fault now. There are a lot of things that are the Devils' fault. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call is always 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram. At Moff on the mic, Twitter at Moffat on the mic, and our Facebook page as well. Clem, do you want to take a break, or do you want to just keep going? Let's and maybe take we'll a break. maybe we'll, we'll close out a little early tonight. Let's take a break. You want to take a break? Yeah. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we got a lot more to do. We got to get into the uh, Kareem Hunt suspension. We got to get into the Tyreek Hill investigation, and uh, we'll get into a few other things as well. We'll get into some NFL free agency. A couple of moves made today. 
and uh, we'll try to squeeze anything else. And, of course, if you haven't met it, we have the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame for WrestleMania. We'll, we'll reveal that after the break. You're listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. I had a feeling you were playing this. <laughs> as soon as I heard, I was like, "There's no way he's playing the Coolio version." I had to play the Weird Al version. The Weird Al version. Guy's a lyrical genius. I'm sorry, like you can't write parodies like this, like he can. And he he still does it. Like it's not like he does. Like first of all, like have you ever seen videos of his concerts? No. They're crazy. My, my they're funny. Like people are like he gets like a really good crowd like for concerts. You know, like if you ever want to see like a, a, a good video of his, he played Bonnaroo like a few years really? ago, and he was like the midnight show or something like that. He was like really late, I think, and like he was in this tent, and the thing was like he comes out. And the first thing he does is just like this mashup of nothing but like pop songs, like to like a polka. Yeah. And he comes out with the accordion on. And the people, the crowd are going crazy, like clapping and everything. It's like one of the funniest videos like ever. Like, you know, just because the crowd reaction is so strong for him. Yeah. And the thing is like, I think he's brilliant. Like, I really do. Like, I mean, we, we laugh, but it's like so many celebrities like love him. Even musicians have always been like, you haven't made it unless your song is parodied. By Weird Al. It's like my older brother saw him when he my, my my brother was younger, and like he went on he he I think he performed at the Paramount maybe like a year or two ago, and I was like, Yo, Jamie, we got we got to go to this concert. And he was like, Let's go, and like I think like within like an hour or two that he the tickets went on sale. They sold, sold out. out. Sold out. I was like, Geez, Weird Al still gets that kind of like respect that he gets play. Like he gets sold out within hours, like. Dude, but in like a place like the Paramount, that's a slow, that's a small club. It's not that big. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, Weird Al, we gotta go to this. And next thing I know, it's sold out. I was like, well. But I saw something that he's gonna be playing in Forest Hills, like at the, you really? know, Forest Hills is like a stadium, yeah. kind of. It's like by the tennis courts where they have concerts and everything. Yeah. And I was like, and I think it's like, I kept thinking to myself, maybe I would take my daughter. <laughs> because my daughter would like it's a parody thing so it's not like it's any cursing or any foul yeah. language and stuff and he wears costumes and you probably think it was kind of funny or whatever yeah. then I also think that she wouldn't get it yeah you know so I'm like I'm like 50-50 on it but I thought it'd be so much fun because like it'd probably be a fun concert to go see you know just because it's just like him but then after a while I think it would just get tiresome to listen to him parody songs the first Weird Al song I ever heard was White and Nerdy and that Oh, no, you did. That's not even the best one, dude. I, I that's not the best. I know. I, I, I don't know which. Like favorite. a surgeon. Like a surgeon. <laughs> Eat it is good. I like eBay. eBay is hilarious. Like uh, what is the other one? Um, uh, like Amish Paradise is really good. It smells like Nirvana. Right. That, that's good. <clears throat> I mean, like, and there were like some people. I remember, like, when you ever watch like VH1 used to do the behind the musics. Where they, they talk about on Weird Al? they did one on Weird Al, oh, and he tells a story. That. He tells a story about 
um, Coolio mm-hmm. with Amish Paradise because they interviewed Coolio at the Grammys after Coolio had won a Grammy for Gangster's Paradise. And they asked him, one of the reporters asked him, they said, like, you know, what did you think of Weird Al's parody? Now, Weird Al always gets permission from the artist to do a song. He yeah. does not do a song without getting written permission from the artist. And all of a sudden, Coolio was, like, really defensive during, like, and he's like, he goes, no, he goes, I wasn't down with that. He never got my permission and blah, 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 blah. And he was like, you know, he said something like, oh, stay the hell away from me type of thing because he was, like, really bitter about it. Weird Al comes out and goes, I was told by my promoter or my publisher or whatever that Coolio had given permission for me to do Amish Paradise. And then when they went to his, like, producer or his, like, agent, his agent just kind of had this real smug look on his face and goes, yeah, well, Coolio wasn't really laughing with the check that he got. <laughs> you know, so it's like he definitely got money, like, for doing Amish Paradise. Uh, I, I, Weird Al's great. He's- I think he said there was one artist that said no. He asked, like, one artist, I think it might have been Eminem, that he wanted to do a song about, um, he wanted to do song, uh, some, he wanted to do a parody of a song, and I can't, I wish I could remember which artist it was that turned him down, but he asked, like, once or twice, and both times the artist said no, so he could never do the parody, but Weird House, it's amazing, like, what that guy, and, like, and the thing is, like, you ever watch UHF? No. Have you ever heard of the movie UHF? No. Watch it. It's funny. It's with your. It's with Weird Al. It's Weird Al's movie. It's where he takes over like his uncle's like radio and TV network, but it's like a public access network, mm-hmm. and it and it turns it into like a big like time success with like these really weird and like random shows. Like watch it. It's actually really funny. So, uh, just to give our listeners a heads up, Monday night we will have back on our show from SB Nation Houston. Jake Asman is going to join us. We're going to talk some Jets and Giants with Jake as long as uh, we got. Talk about some Houston Texans, as usual, the Dallas Cowboys, the Rockets, and we'll get into a little Houston college basketball. Yeah, they destroyed looking- UConn tonight. They won by like 40. They're looking good. And right they're the number now. one seed right now. So we got a lot to talk about with Jake, so he'll definitely be on with us. Well, he should be on with us on Monday, subject to change, of course. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely looking forward to having him on. Uh be his, uh, I think, what, third time with us right now? Third time since the new brand. Okay. So... Definitely want to check that out. It should be on Monday night. And uh, we'll, you know, we're working on getting as many guests as we can uh, over the next like, couple of weeks. WrestleMania is right around the corner. So I'm sure we'll have the uh, Pisanos on once again from the What's Wrong with Wrestling podcast and uh, a lot of other stuff. All right. So let's just kind of do like, let's just do some random stuff real quickly. Um, we're basically starting the NFL. Let's do the free agent signings. Over today, uh, one trade that went down today was uh, the Titans getting Ryan Tannehill from the Dolphins. That's big. For a fourth-round pick this uh, next year and I think a seventh-rounder this year. And they get a sixth-rounder. The, the Titans get a sixth-rounder back from the Dolphins. Um, well, if you didn't think that the Dolphins were, weren't rebuilding, I guess this pretty much seals it for you right there. Look, I think it's a necessary evil for the Dolphins. I've said this time and time again. They have always been that team that thinks that they're one player away from competing, mm-hmm. and they're not. They've always been hovering around 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, and I could understand why Jet fans were, were very frustrated when they hired Gase because Gase just came from that in Miami. Yeah. However, that's not entirely on Gase. I'm not going to kill Gase 100% on that. It's also about the talent around him. Which the Dolphins had none, by the way. And 
you're gutting the roster with a new coach in Brian Flores who's going to want to build it his way. And that means starting with a quarterback. Listen, they've already kind of come out. They said this right after the season was over. They were probably going to be tanking this year anyway. Yeah. They haven't really made any any major free agent signings. Now there was, a talk, there was an article today about how Colin Kaepernick was interested in the Dolphins job. And I'm like, that defeats the purpose. I mean, don't even – it's nothing to do with Colin Kaepernick. It's the fact that the Dolphins are going to suck. Yeah, there's no need to sign Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you want – if you're going to re- – if you're quote unquote like starting fresh again, Colin Kaepernick's not the guy to do that. I mean, you want you want Dwayne Haskins, you want Kyler Murray. That, he's those... going to want a multi year deal too, and he's yeah. probably going to want to be guaranteed the starter role. I wouldn't give him that at all. Yeah, I'll take my chances with someone else. <clears throat> but they were talking to Teddy Bridgewater, but he wanted to re-signing with the uh, the Saints, which was probably the better move at the end of the day because the Dolphins are going nowhere fast and they're not going to have any weapons for Teddy to get be successful. Mm-hmm. But they finally get rid of Ryan Tannehill. I think what that does is it voids out his contract. Like he does, like Titans don't inherit all that money. Yeah. I think it automatically voids out the deal and they sign him to like a one year deal for like six million or something like that. I think this was a good trade for the <clears throat> Titans because this this trade might light a fire under Mariota's ass and be like well, Yeah, I think I, Ma- I think Mariota's gone. I think I think this is gonna be determined because Tannehill can st- before Tannehill got injured. He he was looking like he could play some quarter like he was above average quarterback in the NFL. I was I never hated Ryan Tannehill. I always thought he was decent, but he never really lived up to the potential. And then when the year before Geese's first year there, he looked really good. He got injured. And he never he never really fully he he never really fully fully got back to what he was in 2016. Mm-hmm. But now I think with the move to the t- Tennessee, this gives him an opportunity to fight for a position. This is going to light a fire under Mariota's ass and be like, whoa, I might lose my starting job to this guy. Maybe. However, like, I I think at this point, if you're a Titans fan, you're not sold on Mariota. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think he's pretty much – I won't consider him a bust. I don't want to go that far. But he's not durable either. He gets hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. He's always missing time with injuries. And he's not a guy I can rely on to take me to the next level. I could put a plethora of receivers around him, and I don't think he would lead me much more than a 7-9 record. Not to say Tannehill will be leaps and bounds better. However, I think it's a very good security blanket to have for Mariota. You don't really lose anything, I think, there. I mean, Tannehill's not as good as Mariota. At least I don't think he is. But you want a guy who's going to be very serviceable to be a backup quarterback. You don't want to just bring in a guy like an Austin Davis, a guy who's just there as a, he could just because he has a pulse. Yeah. You want to bring in a guy who can play. You want to bring in a guy where if your starter gets hurt, you feel comfortable with the guy going into the game for you. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think it was a decent trade for the Dolphins and for the Titans. And listen, my advice to Dolphins fans with a rebuild, embrace it. Embrace it. You're going to find it so much more fun to watch younger players developing in front of your eyes than watching a bunch of has-been veterans that the Dolphins sign every year to do absolutely nothing. 
you can get that type of performance for 50 cents on the dollar by just going with younger players who are trying to prove something. Mm-hmm. And with a new coach like Brian Flores, they may buy in early. Yeah. And if they buy in early, that could be big for their confidence moving forward. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A pretty good deal all around, at least in my opinion. I thought it was a pretty strong deal. I it was, yeah, I think it was good. Both sides get what they want, and it, it just helps out both teams. Um, other minor news, signings wise, Ronald Darby's returning to Philadelphia, signed with the Eagles for one year, which I thought was a little bit of a. I'm not going to lie, that was a bit of a surprise for me, mainly because I would have figured he would have got multi year offers, mm-hmm. but still. It's a pretty good signing for the Eagles. They bring back one of their own for the secondary. The Broncos signed Bryce Callahan from the Bears today, three-year deal. Mm. So that was the guy the Jets were kind of looking at until they signed Brian Poole. I like the Brian Poole signing for the Jets. I do too. I think it's pretty strong. I think he'll be – I don't know. I, he, I it, it, You think he'll be the two? On the outside? Yeah. No. No, I definitely don't. I think he's going to be a one. I think he's going to be a three. And then what, Daryl Roberts is the four? I think, listen, you want my honest opinion? This is where it scares me. Do not be surprised if Daryl Roberts gets that job. I think it's a mistake. I th- I think it, I like, I'd feel more comfortable with him as a three, Daryl Roberts. Not as our two. Well, don't be surprised if Brian Poole does wind up doing that in some way, shape, or form because – I really think the Jets want Perry Nickerson to be the slot corner. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, they're they're not banking on and him. And quite frankly, McCagnan needs to start hitting on these guys being successful. So I think he needs it more for his ego than anything. I think that yeah, but I, I I'd like to see what Greg Williams can do with this young defensive back core because when he was, you know, we all saw how good Denzel Ward did his rookie year. Denzel Ward was up for a rookie of the year award. Mm-hmm. And he outshined everyone on that defense. I mean, if it wasn't for Darius Leonard having a, a, an amazing rookie year, Denzel Ward probably would have won the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. So you need, now you bring the great defensive-minded coach in Greg Williams over to this side with a young defensive back core with Perry Nickerson, Dow Roberts, uh, and Tremaine Johnson. Mm-hmm. You can actually see what these guys can possibly turn into. Right. But overall, I mean, I'm curious to see what they're going to do because I still think they need to add another corner, but the pickings are slim. Yeah. There's not really a lot else out there. I'm going to look at and see who else is left. And the thing is, you're not drafting a cornerback third overall, so you're probably looking more like third, fourth-round picks yeah. for corners. But you also got to make sure you draft more offensive linemen because you need to get more depth on that offensive line. The depth you have is not good enough. Right. The Dakota Dozers of the world and all that stuff. Uh, let's see. Cornerbacks. They still got uh, who's left? Darquise Denard. He's still out there. Mo Claiborne still out there. They don't seem like they're bringing him back though. I think they're leaning towards no. Um, you got Brashad Breland. He's, he's more of a safety though. I think he's more of like a nickel cornerback, but I feel like we got our nickel guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Munnerlin. He's no. Nah, he sucks. Yeah. Um, Jermaine Brock. Yeah, never mind. I take I take back Tremaine Brock. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like uh, Cody Sen- Cody Sensabaugh. It's kind of a. It's not a lot. I mean, it's not yeah. But then again, like I said, you can build through the draft. I yeah. mean, you got to think. You know, you also got to take stock in the draft too. I mean, yeah. it's okay to like you know, 
See, the one guy I wanted was Jason Verrett, and he signed a one-year, $3.6 million deal at San Fran. Mm-hmm. That's the guy I wanted. He's 27 years old. I feel like, you know, if he if he comes back healthy, him and Tremaine Johnson would have worked fantastically together, but Jets didn't pull the plug on him, but we got uh, Brian Poole instead for one, uh, for a one-year, $3.5 million deal, which I'm not mad at. And plus, he's, he's boys with Marcus May. They were teammates at Florida, so. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm thinking about I might be going to uh, Jets Ravens this year in, oh, yeah? ba- in Baltimore. Ooh. My sister lives in Baltimore, so she was telling me. She's like, oh, Jets are playing the Ravens this year. So she's like, if you guys want to come down, like me and my brother. Ooh, okay. So I think we might go. We might definitely try to go. Hopefully it's – I'm hoping it's like more in the middle, like October rather than September. Cause September I'm always busy because I have like my, my daughter's birthday and all that yeah. stuff, and like I don't know if I want to do that. But You know where I want to see a Jet game? And call me crazy, Gillette. I want to go. Up oh, there. you're out of your mind! I would never go to Gillette for a game. I, you know what? I wouldn't. Those fans will eat you alive. I dude. wouldn't want to go there. I would. I normally I would never want to do that. But that's I, actually one of the worst. I have a friend who's who who went to who lived in Massachusetts. She went to Gillette a bunch of times. She's like, it's the biggest pain in the ass to get to. I heard because that. it's like one road that leads to the stadium. I've heard that you could be sitting in traffic for hours. The only reason I want to go there, and because look, I like I don't like Belichick, I don't like Brady, but Brady will end up being the greatest quarterback of all time, mm-hmm. and Belichick will be end up being the greatest coach of all time. So you can say that you saw a Jets a Jets Patriots game at Gillette Stadium with both of them there. That's something you can say to your kids and well, my your kids and everything. Like, hey, I saw the greatest quarterback and coach of all time at their home. See, the problem with that though is like that's the only reason why though I would want to go. But at the end of the year, the problem is the game could mean is meaningless. True. They need to put a Jets Patriots game during the middle of the season when the game is meaningful. It's not meaningful in Week 17 when the Jets are four and twelve. Yeah. So the Patriots are going to just run roughshod over them. So the problem is, is that while it might be fun to go there, yeah. watching a bad Jets team against Tom Brady at home, those fans will eat you alive, bro. Are we going to be bad, though? Because we got Le'Veon. Here's my thing. I, You know me. Yes, I think the Jets will be a much improved team. But you'll know that they always lose those games that they should win. I know. You know that they lose those games against bad teams. When they don't show up. And that's what kills them. That's what kills their seasons. Those types of games. But... All right, well, a few other things. Uh, Kareem Hunt was officially suspended for eight games to start the season. It should have been the friggin' season as far as I'm concerned, at least. Uh, the video was bad enough, and like I said, when people like Ray Rice can't get a job for basically doing the same thing and Kareem Hunt gets signed by the Browns, that only proves my point. Yeah, I, I, like, it's, I, a, it's a terrible double standard by the NFL. I called this – I called, yeah, I agree with you. He should have got suspended for the whole year. Called this when the season was still going on. He'll get an eight-game suspension. He'll appeal it. It'll go down to four or six. I can guarantee that's what's going to happen. You know, but... Because, look, as much as... Especially now with Odell Beckham on the Browns, you want to see the explosive offense of Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, uh, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and David Njoku on that field. You want to see that as fast as you can. That's that's what's going to drive up... 
you know, people watching the games. It's going to drive up ticket prices. It's going to do everything in their right mind for the NFL to make some money. So yeah, it's going to it's eight games. He'll appeal it. It'll get down to four or six, which is only beneficial to the Browns because then they might be able to find somebody to take Duke Johnson. Wow, he missed both free throws. That's not good. Was that Zion? No, it was somebody else. I think. Wait, who was it? Five. I don't I think, know. I think that was R.J. Barrett. Oh, he's about to he? this. Oh. Oh, my God. Wow. Who is that? Who missed that? Oh. Oh, get out of here, Zion. It's like he's like all pumping his fist. You guys barely won. Wow. He had it. That kid had it. Whoever 13, him. Whoever 13 is on North Carolina, he could have grabbed that. Instead of tipping it back, he could have grabbed that, uh, re- that rebound and put it back in himself. Yeah. Great, great game though. Our, our house band is tuning up right now. Well, they just, they, they know Duke just won. That's yeah. Why. <laughs> it's like you know, start the fiesta. <laughs> Did you hear what um, Zion said about you know him coming back and whatnot? He was like, if you guys thought that I was going to sit out the rest of the season, you guys were all crazy. He said that. Oh, I had a feeling he wasn't going to sit out the season. No, nah, neither did I. He likes Duke. He wants to play, and it makes sense. But that was R.J. Barrett who missed both free throws. So Kareem Hunt suspended for eight games, and now another chief. Now another chief is under investigation. Tyree Kill is under investigation for apparently assaulting a child, or something like that. I forgot that update. Did I was like, what? Who do you assault? I was like, come on, man. Apparently, it was like a like the I don't I don't know Adrian Peterson thing, kind of. No, I think it was like literally hitting a hitting a kid. Like I'm not really sure. I gotta, but. That's pretty bad either way you look at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, but again, we can't jump to conclusions, right? Okay, so according to Adam Schefter, it says Tyree Kill is under investigation for allegations of battery. And I think it had to do with hitting like a minor. Jeez. So there's that. Um, look, we can't jump to conclusions, but these guys have got to stop this crap. They got to stop this, Clem. They're just, they cannot avoid trouble. They just they like no matter how hard they try, just they just they just can't. Like, why is this so hard? I don't know. I, it's it's mind boggling that the these Chiefs players just cannot stay out of the news. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't get it. Next thing we're gonna know is that we're gonna see Pat Pat Mahomes in the news. I don't want to see him in the news. I want to see him. I like Pat Mahomes. Speaking of guys getting arrested, we forgot to talk about this the other day. Connor got arrested. For smashing yeah. a cell phone. They have a video of it, too, apparently. I didn't see the video, but apparently this kid, whoever it was, was trying to take a picture of him while him and his family were at the beach. And Connor went up to him, grabbed the cell phone, and smashed it. And Connor got arrested and got bailed out on $7,500 bail. Yeah, let me, let, okay. How much? $7,500? I think it was $7,500, yeah. Which is like five Probably bucks prior. to him. It's priors. Um, you know, I could understand sometimes that celebrities just don't want to be bothered. Yeah. So you kind of keep it to a minimum. You go up, you say hi, shake his hand, move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes I think people get a little too like starstruck with like, oh, can we take a picture? Can we do this? Can we? It's like, no, dude, piss off. I'm with my, I'm with my wife and daughter, or with my Especially wife, my if kids. You're, you're at the beach. It's not like one thing where he's on the streets and he's always walking around. You're at the beach. You're enjoying the beach with your family, and that's what you do. I mean, like, like I get that to a point, but like, like I always remember the day when I saw. I was in the bathroom at Yankee Stadium, and I saw Bubba, uh, Bully Ray. Did you really? Yep. I swear to God. So Bully Ray, like, um, and it was funny, too, because I had, 
you know, I was going to shake his hands, and I remembered I just washed my hands, so mm-hmm. it was like, you know. And I saw him. Dude, he's a mon. He's, he's huge. His hand is like triple the size of mine, <laughs> right? And I saw him, and I go I, – I called him Bubba Ray Dudley, yeah. right? And he just kind of was like, hey, what's up, man? Like, he was really nice. Like, he was a very, very cool guy. He, like, did, he just did the fist pump with me and everything. And I just – I asked him real quickly. I just said, oh, is, are, you, are you off from – because he was in Impact Wrestling at the time. And I just said, I'm like, oh, is, uh, is Impact off this weekend? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm just home. I'm with my girl watching the game and stuff. And I just kind of said to him, like, all right, man, well, listen, have a good time. Really nice meeting you. He's like, he was, like, really, really cool guy. Yeah. You know, very, like, down to earth. I ran into him again at a metal concert in mm. Jersey. Like, me and, like, my friend Chris ran into him. And he was wearing, like, it was so funny because he was, like, a walking billboard for TNA. <laughs> so he was, like, had the TNA shirt on yeah. and everything and stuff. But again, he was very cool. He took a picture of my friend Chris. I didn't want to bother him, you know, because he looked like he was pissed. Yeah. You know. And the thing is, uh, his girlfriend is Velvet Sky. Is it really? Wow. Oh, my gosh. She's gorgeous. Like, she's absolutely gorgeous. You know who's like that who doesn't want to be bothered anytime you see him is Billy Joel, apparently. The biggest douchebag I ever met in my life was Taz. I still say it to this day. I thought he was a douchebag. The biggest douchebag I ever met was Lavernius Coles. Oh, really? Real big asshole because when... Jets used to have a uh, training camp at Hofstra. I used to go all the time. Right. And if you've if you've been to the training camp, you know all you know all the kids are running around. I miss camp. when they do. They I really wish they would do that more. I know they didn't do it two years ago because of like it was weather. I think the yeah. weather was really crappy or something. But I mean, I wish wish they would do like more at Hofstra because it's so much better there. It, yeah, but like the he but when I went up to Lavernius Coles to get his autograph and like when we were on the fence. You know, Lavernius Coles is a popular player, and a lot of kids were over there, like trying to get there. And if you ever seen like people trying to fight for autographs, even even as kids, it's it's a madhouse. And he was just like basically yelling at everyone, like everyone, calm the hell down, like oh, I'm not signing shit. I'm just like, what, what? And I was like, maybe like ten or eleven at the time. I was like, yo, this guy's an asshole. Like, what the hell? <laughs> well, I always talk about the day when I ran into all the WWE guys in uh, in the airport in Richmond yeah. for SmackDown. And um, I told you the story, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, we're on, we fly back into New York, and Taz and Joey Styles were on our flight home, mm-hmm. like, from v- Richmond to New York. And Joey Styles was such a nice guy because he was talking to us about stuff, and we were just kind of, like, you know, just very, like, you know, not nothing crazy, but we just talked to him. And Taz was just, like, such a douche. Mm-hmm. Like, he really was because he was just, like, he was, like, he didn't want to be bothered. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He just kind of put on his eye, his earbuds, and just like didn't really like. He kind of tuned us out and stuff. Yeah. I thought he was such a dick. Yeah, like you I know, like, I, in in like like he's like you know what he, he looks like. He looks like a guy that's just like such a bitter friggin' troll about something. You don't know what it is, but for some reason it just he's just bitter. Like he just looks like an angry individual all the time. Yeah, you know? like, like I get like you know if you don't want to do something to feel like you're with your family or you're out to dinner, you know, so you're doing that. But if you're on the streets. And just like walking around and doing something, or, like not doing anything really. And the fan comes up and be like, I don't have the time for you, but like, you're a dick. Yeah, like you're he just kind of, he really kind of blew him off. Like it was cool because like some of the other wrestlers, like we ran into them in the in the airport, they were really cool. They signed autographs and stuff, you know, like not everybody ran up to them, but like one guy in particular that nobody would have recognized that I did mm-hmm. was Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Because I remember when Rey Mysterio didn't have his uh, mask. mask on and I he looked and I said, I'm like, that's Rey Mysterio. And he just kind of gave me like a what's up, but like he was running for a flight. You could tell yeah. he was like on his way somewhere and stuff. But man, like, like I still say to this day, Taz I thought was the biggest douche on two feet, hands down. 
you know, like one of, you know, from what I remember. He's like, he was such like a pompous asshole. Like, he still like thinks he was like the greatest wrestler in ECW history. That was like in the freaking 90s. So, but I mean, like, outside of that, like, I, I won't say I've met like a lot of celebrity, like anything like that. Like, you know, sometimes like, I do get a little starstruck. Yeah. But it's like, you could tell like when people are really nice, and sometimes people are just kind of like really douchey. Yeah. You know? But, like, one time my dad was in a restaurant and he ran into, you, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, the actor? Uh, from, like, Boys in the Hood. We played Furious. played the guy's father, the kid's oh, father. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was okay, on CSI recently. He's been yeah, in, like, a yeah, ton yeah. of movies. He's been the uh, Morpheus so I mean, from yeah, The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, Jesus. I, know, I never saw The Matrix, How did Matrix they, but I, I know. You ever saw The Matrix? Yeah, I saw parts of it. I never really got into it. Was it, were you born, like, were you, like, of age when you? Oh, one, right? It came out? I think so. No, I, th- I think it was, like, 2000. I, I was born. I just never got into it. I mean, he was like, my dad went up to him and just, you know, he I wasn't with my dad. My dad went up to him and he just said, he's like, you know, listen, man, I'm a really big fan of your work. He was with his family. And he said, I just wanted to shake your hand and just say, like, you know, thank you. You know, I'm really yeah. a big fan of your work. And he was like, oh, that means a lot to me. He was, he was, my dad was like, he was a really, really nice guy, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, Things like that, I never... It was cool, because, like, when I worked at Hammerstein, like, when I worked at the Hammerstein Ballroom mm-hmm. in the city, we used to get celebrities all the time that were just there to watch concerts. Really? Like, it was crazy. Like, I still say, one of the craziest pairings I ever saw, because it had been rumored for a while that they were together, kind of, but nobody really... It wasn't confirmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of a band called The White Stripes? Yeah, with Jack White. Jack White. So they played the Hammerstein. Their show kicked ass, by the way. They was like, you know... They are super, super talented as a group, but I don't think they'll ever get back together. <clears throat> so I'm working the bar with like a friend of mine, and all of a sudden, who comes up to our bar? Nicole Kidman. And she was with, uh, you know who Nicole Kidman is, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to put a face to the name. Holy shit. I can't, I can't think. Oh, what was she in? Hold on. Days of Thunder, Batman. I mean, the list goes on and on. Clem, are, are you serious? Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. I know, yeah, now I now, now I know who she is. Yes, oh I had to put I had to put a, a, a face to the uh, a name to the face. I couldn't think I couldn't think of what she looked like. But like Nicole Kidman was there, and at the time there was a rumor going around that she had, was dating Q Tip from a Tribe Called Quest, <laughs> right? Because no they were like really good friends. So yeah. when people saw them together, they automatically thought they were a couple, but they really weren't. They were just like really, really close friends. Yeah. And at the White Stripes concert, I see Nicole Kidman walk by with Q-Tip. And they were just at the concert together hanging out. So a lot of people was like, holy crap, Q-Tip's here. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it was like funny because like, again, you you just see things like that. And as a, as a fan, you're just like, holy crap. I mean, this is amazing. You know? And, but like, it, it just bothers me when like people like just, you can't take two minutes of your time. To just acknowledge a fan. Yeah, and again, like, it's not like, you know, like, it's one thing if you're with your family and whatnot, be like, and if he says, like, hey, I'm with my family, thank you so much for... Yeah, just shake his hand and move on, you know, like... You don't have to sign autographs, take selfies, or Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I totally agree with you there. But, I mean, if you want to say, like, okay, hey, thanks for uh, loving me and whatever, or... (laughs) That just sounds funny. Thank (laughs) you for worshipping me. (laughs) But, yeah, if they don't do that, then you're kind of like an ass. Yeah. We always had a joke at work where, you know, like sometimes when you watch like telethons, 
Yeah. And you see like you see the phones and you see there's like all these celebrities like answering telephones and you're most likely not going to get Jack Nicholson answering your call. <laughs> You'll probably get like the schmuck that sits behind him yeah. like you know that dick you know that he's blocking. And I was like imagine if you got a celebrity on the phone and you just go like what would you say? Like oh. what kind of question would you ask, right? Yeah. So like me and my friend Caitlin, this is a while back. Like she used to work with us at the hotel, but she doesn't work. She hasn't worked there in years. We had come up with these really funny like questions to like ask celebrities mm-hmm. and stuff. So like we said like for example like what would happen if like Re- like Reese Witherspoon was like answered your call? Like I go the first thing I would ask Reese Witherspoon is legally blonde too? Really? <laughs> <laughs> And my friend started cracking up. Right? I was like, because it's just like, but like, we just would laugh. Like, it's like, that would like, what would you ask? Like, oh yeah, I want to donate money. But oh yeah, about that, you know, what the hell were you thinking when you made that scene? You know, like, like kind of thing. I mean, that's, see, that type of stuff makes me laugh. I mean, that stuff's funny, you know. But, um, all right, real quickly on the Mets, uh, Stephen Matz did not have a good outing today. And, um, I don't know if I'm worried yet, but it is alarming because I really want to see – I mean, they really need him in a way to succeed. They really need him to have a – you know, not to have like an elite, strong season, but they need him to have – you know, at least be the anchor of the back end of the of that rotation because Jason Vargas has actually looked pretty good. Yeah, Jason Vargas has looked solid. We all know – but that all still makes me nervous. I'm still not comfortable. I don't care how good Jason Vargas looks. I'm not comfortable with him in my fifth spot in the rotation. Yeah, let me ask you this. Would you, would you be more comfortable with Jason Vargas or Bartolo Colon? Neither. You wouldn't you be comfortable with Big Sexy yeah, but the problem back? with the Yeah, but the problem with the Met fan is that they want Bartolo back just because it's Bartolo. He's 45 years old. The guy's going to die on a, on a freaking mound. So. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. You know, like that guy's eating – I mean – there's no like weight program there. Like it, I mean, like somebody is some Met fan. They were doing like Met fan. Like, oh, what was the, one of the greatest achievements in Mets history? And some idiot actually wrote the Bartolo Colon home run. Yeah, it was. I it, was like, it, oh, it, it was God. like Johan's. Uh, it was like Johan's no hitter. Wilmer Flores walk off. Something else in Bartolo's home run. I'm like, that's what it's being compared to. Like, I mean, yeah. like I love Bartolo as much as the next guy, but I mean, you can't compare it to that though, man. You can't. That's just like a fluky thing that happened. I mean, it was cool. They got lucky, basically, is what I'm trying to say. But oh, that was such a good home run, though. <laughs> but again, the key the key thing is too is that Dom Smith is still hitting well. Mm-hmm. He had another hit today, so he still keep you know raking. Pete Alonso is raking. This is the stuff you want to see. Yeah. Like you know what your good players are going to do. You know what Nimmo is going to do. You know what Conforto is going to do. You know what Syndergaard, and you know what... Uh, like, Avion looks like he could make the rotation. Yeah, The, the bullpen, like, Luis Avalon. He's been looking Avion, good. Right? Zach, Zach Wheeler's been looking pretty solid. Got better. Yeah. He started out a little shaky, but he's been pitching better. I don't worry about guys like Syndergaard and, you know, DeGrom. Uh, Wheeler, I've always... My co- control issues were always a thing with me with Wheeler. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think he's going to be uh, pretty... Uh, I think he'll be fine. Um, but, the, you know, the thing is, when Matt's struggling, it is a little troublesome, especially this late in spring training. And again, this goes back to the, the argument I made for Jason Vargas. You know, our one our one through three guys are looking solid. It's going to be it's going to be DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler. And if Vargas is our worst pitcher in that rotation, I'm fine with that. I'm really am fine with that. But the fact that, you know, was just now we're just switching it that Matt is looking like our worst guy and 
and Vargas is looking pretty solid, I'm again, that's not awful to have. Because if Mets does turn it on, one through five can be very, very solid for the New York Mets. And um, with it's amazing that Dallas Keuchel is still out there. Craig Kimbrell still out there. Apparently the Braves are looking at Keuchel, apparently. They need him. Well, apparently from what I read about Keuchel, his stuff doesn't really play well anymore because it's like kind of just like meatballs. He doesn't really throw hard. But then that's when you have to reinvent your game. You're not, you, you know, Keuchel has never been the hard-throwing pitcher. He usually topped out at like 93. Mm-hmm. But that's when you have to reinvent your game. And you saw it with some of these big, big heavy setter pitchers like, like, like Bartolo Colon. Like CC Sabathia, they reinvented their game and they became solid pitchers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what Dallas Keuchel just has to do. He's just to reinvent his game because he's still a good pitcher. He only he had a sub four ERA. I think he had a three point seven four ERA last year, which is still good. Mm-hmm. That's good on most teams. So, so that's the thing. If we have Jake on, I want to get his thoughts on the Astros this year because a lot of people seem to like the Astros to like make a run again this year. It's possible. It you really know. is. Um, Nationals are solidifying their bullpen. They signed Tony Sip. I love the to Tony Sip. Back end to bat. You know, that's I pretty. To, I wanted the Mets to sign him. They're getting to be it's really starting to round out that bullpen. It seems like they're putting a major, major emphasis on pitching. So, um, other news uh, the Yankees are, could be looking at Gio Gonzalez after Severino was announced he's out for a month with uh, L- rotator cuff inflammation. Sabathia's out for a few weeks. So they're down two starters already. There's no need to go out and sign Gio Gonzalez. Because then what is, what's going to happen? I think at this point with Gio or Keiko, I think at this point you have no leverage. Yeah. They don't need a job that bad. They're going to dictate the terms on how, on how they want to be signed. And you got to decide if you really want to sign him to that. Yeah. I think that's my that's how I think it's going to work. Because right now, and from what I'm hearing is that I was listening to, again, uh, CMB today, and they, they had Brian Cashman on the show, and he was talking about, you know, like, and it really sounded like they weren't really going to go out and sign a guy. It looks like they were going to stick with uh, Sessa. They were going to stick with Johnny Luizica and, Ch- and possibly Chance Adams as... Mm-hmm. As guys just to fill in for the time. There's no need to go out and sign Dallas Keuchel or Gio Gonzalez when in a month in a month they're going to just be like, oh, okay, well you're gone, Gio. Go to the bullpen. Like, and if they and if Gio and Dallas really wanted to, they can be like, well, give me ten million dollars. You need you need me more than I need you right now. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. And again, like I said, at this point, any pitcher. Let me rephrase that. See, a team like the Braves can can pass on guys like Keiko. Yeah. Teams like the Yankees may not because they have injuries. And when you have injuries to your rotation and there's no one else you have confidence in, then Keiko, I think, holds all the cards. But the Yankees have Loisaga. They have Sessa. So they can they can fill the hole for a little while. Sessa hasn't been that great, but Loisaga, I think, has been effective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it for me, man. You got anything else? No, not really. I, mean, I'm just trying I think to we think. cover. I think we covered all the bases tonight. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just trying to look at. Uh, By the way, uh, Mia culpa on my part. I really thought that there was a story that broke about Christian being the latest inductee into the Hall of Fame that turned out to not be true. So I got duped. I got screwed. You know what? I'm really. I'm not ashamed to admit it. 
Apparently, this report just came out. Bortles is set to visit the Rams on Monday. I would go to the Rams if I was him. Just oh, be yeah. back up golf. I mean, you don't have to do any work. Exactly. And if you do have to do work, then you come in when, you know, who knows. Bortles, it might do Bortles some good to just kind of sit. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think he has the chops to be a starter anytime soon. But I think if he just sits back and watches, it might help his game a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's another in the long line of draft busts, man. I liked I liked him in that draft. I th- I think it was the 2012 draft, and I told people I was like, he's going to be the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, Mariota's not too far behind, man, in that category. <laughs> I know. I mean, Tannehill too. I think Tannehill's a bust. Tannehill, I th- yeah, it's turning out to look like he is a bust. I mean, like I said, he had the his saving grace year in 2016, but then he was nothing after that. Right. Oh, Seenhall's looking good right now. I think McCar- I think Marquette's going home tonight. <laughs> so that's when I get the email at like twelve thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, Marquette just left like hookers in the night. <laughs> now you have the band there. Are they practicing their instruments during? No, they don't practice in our. We're not. No. Oh, okay. we don't practice. They don't well, practice. That must be annoying here. Like the tubas go off at two in the morning. <laughs> no, they don't do anything like that. They're not that extreme. Uh, oh my God, Seenhall's just starting to blow this out. Down, up by seven with two fifty, um, no. But we we sometimes have like high school groups, like uh, bands and chorals, mm-hmm. choruses, and they use our meeting space to to practice. Mm-hmm. And they're very good. They are very very good, you know. Um, but no, Marquette doesn't practice in our uh, in our hotel. They okay, just kind of yeah. they just go in to sleep and then that's it. They probably <laughs> they probably practice like somewhere else. So, Clem, I got nothing, man. I'm pretty much done. I I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think of other stuff that went on today. You know, I mean, we, it's eleven. It's we have seven oh, minutes. Eleven. So I mean. I'm just thinking of you know anything WWE wise, college football possibly. Oh, that's what it was. We forgot. Um, there's a there's a big rumor that Gallows and Anderson are going to leave to go to yeah. AEW. It makes sense. Go to AEW. Go get action over there because you and the Young Bucks will definitely put on great matches. So, and I've been saying this for a while. I was just like, I'm disgusted. With how the SmackDown tag division is. Look, it may be all fine and dandy, but you literally have the same three tags mm-hmm. fighting for every ti- for for the title every pay per view. Yeah, like I get it, you want it, but like Gals and Anderson can go. They're former tag champions. Sanity is phenomenal. We haven't seen them in forever. Like, why are these guys not getting any TV time? It doesn't make any sense to me. But you see what I mean, though? Do you see the trend? Yeah. Do you see the trend? People are starting to leave WWE when you never thought that was humanly possible. Now you have these guys that are just saying, you know what? I'm not getting the – I mean, if they're figuring out ways to get out of their contracts, mm-hmm. so be it. Yeah, I Ty Dillinger, Hideo Hitami, now Gallows and Anderson. I mean, that's a pretty big loss. I mean uh, – I mean, those are quality. Those are quality uh, wrestlers. I, I just, I just really. You know, I didn't know that Ty Dillinger dates uh, Peyton Royce. Really? From the Elconics. Wow. Another one. It's like you. It's like the more you hear about these things, it's just like, wow. I, I can't believe they're dating. It's like Char- Charlotte and Andrade are dating. Zelina Vega, Alistair Black. All right, let's call it what it is. They're not dating. They're just hooking up on the road because that's the only way they can live a normal life. 
because they're on the road so much that's like by the time you get home, it's like, you know, you're back on the road two days later. You know, but again, a guy like Ty Dillinger, I mean, who's – I want to see that guy succeed so bad. So do I. When he got called up, I did. I, like, I knew of Ty Dillinger. I didn't watch NXT at that point when he got called up into the Royal Rumble. But when he got called up, that was one of the biggest pops I've seen in a wa- long time. He got such a huge pop when he came out at 10 because he is the perfect 10. And I was just like, wow, like – this dude's amazing. Like, I like Ty Dillinger. I think since then, we never saw him after that. Right. It's crazy that none of these guys get pushed. It's like, These guys play the same freaking songs every every Friday. I know. Here. I know. But like, this goes back to Sanity. Sanity it's only got a, like, Scarface. Sanity was a former NXT Tag Champions. And they held it for a while, too. I just don't get why, they, why these guys don't get pushed. But they don't get pushed. Gals and Anderson. We're great, and I I don't know if this. I think I think it's Vince, man. I really do. I think Vince just doesn't see the star power in these guys, where I think that Triple H does, but Triple H can't do anything about it because Vince is in charge. I I don't know. I just don't get it. I really. Wow, that was a three point foul. The guy got a call for a T. That was weird. Um, Marquette down too. But yeah, like it's. Oh, that was a nice play. And then it's it's it shot. It, it, I'm go, I'm gonna be afraid when guys like Alistair Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Undisputed Era, these guys get called up, and mm-hmm. it's like, are they gonna get buried? Are they gonna get pushed? What's gonna happen? We don't know. No, and it's I, very I'm, true. I'm afraid of that because it's like. These and trust guys, me, I'm sure they are too. I'm sure a lot of these guys don't want to go. You know, they they're very reluctant to go to WWE. For that reason. The, the, only, the only good thing about it, we talked about it with uh, Joe and Andrew when they've been on, is that the only good thing about, the only thing that the, will make these guys happy is the pay raise they get. Yeah. But at the end of the day, though, if like, you're getting buried and you have to job, I mean, it's crazy. Like, is it really worth it? Like, look at Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross was so good on NXT. And, it, and well, maybe not Lacey. I'm not going to say Lacey Evans. But Nikki Cross, she put on unbelievable I matches. think Lacey Evans is going to be very overrated. I'm, yeah, don't even get me started. They've done nothing with her. Don't so even get me all she does is walk out Lacey and walk Evans. back. That's exactly. To me, that's ridiculous. But to go, Get her wrestling, for God's sakes. But to go back to Nikki Cross, Nikki Cross was such a good wrestler at NXT. She put up great matches with Asuka, Ember Moon, Shayna Baszler, Bianca Blair, all these great matches. Mm-hmm. And you think like, oh, you know, she might get pushed. Nope. He gets jobbed with a, in a tag match with Alicia Fox. Well, uh, when that happened, I was like, well, that's it for Alicia Fox. I guess we're going to see her again. I mean, and that's a downside, though. It's just like, you know, they just don't know what to do with these. They bring up so many people that they don't know what to do with them. You might as well just leave them in NXT and let them just keep going in NXT. And the one thing I think that might happen is because you have, uh, with the recent call-ups with Alistair Black, Ricochet, Gargano, and Ciampa, I think they're just preparing fans for a possible oh, dude you can't foul on that i mean that's terrible i think they're preparing fans for a possible addition to make nxt the third brand because mm-hmm. it makes sense because you have all these people on rosters on the on the main roster and they're not getting played they're not getting any time right it's 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 nuts um no i agree with you i definitely agree with 100 percent on that but it's never going to change. Not while Vince is running the running the federation because he just doesn't. He just likes to bury these guys. And if I was in NXT, I'd be very. Rel- I'd not want to get called up because I would just feel like my career is dying. 
I'd rather go work in the indies with whoever it is, whether it's AEW, ROH, New Japan, Impact, whoever it is. Go do that. By the way, we need we need to find out a way to get Priscilla Kelly on the show. That was her name. That was the tampon girl. Yeah. Well, Je- uh, Je- Jeff will be the first caller if that's the case. No, we won't take any callers when she's on. No, <laughs> I won't. Well, you know what I was kind of hoping for? Because you know how we've been talking about having Andrew and Joe uh, in here yeah. to do a show with us? I was hoping we could get her on. try to get her on the day the day they're here. I think that would be so bad. That would be so funny. That would be like a huge win for us. Like, you know. But... um. All right, well, look, we're going to call it a night here on the Moffat on the Mic show. We'd like to thank everybody for checking us out, whether on the Facebook Live, on uh, – we don't have Periscope anymore. No, we're still on Periscope. Oh, we're still on Periscope? Yeah, we're still on Periscope. Um, okay, well, I guess we're, if you're on Periscope. Periscope, uh, YouTube, all the good places. YouTube, tune in, the live stream app everywhere. Uh, we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. Clem and I will be back on Monday with very special guest Jake Asman from SB Nation Houston talking to us everything Houston sports, talk some Jets, Giants, Knicks, the works. We'll squeeze in as much as we can, former Sports on the Go 1 radio alumni. So uh, we're looking forward to having him on the show as well. Everybody, wherever you are, have a great weekend. Stay safe, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, watch out for the other douches on the road when you're driving. And uh, have fun. And uh, we'll be back Monday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.